All right, it's overtime on 106.7 The Fan and Odyssey app. Chris Nock here, Donald Hankerson with me as well. Here till 9 o'clock, Tech Talk at 9. Talking all things Virginia Tech. We got a boatload of things we got to get to, my man. Donald, we've, uh, it's a busy couple of days ahead. This is the perhaps the best weekend of the NFL season. When you get the first round of playoff games, you know, you've you've played weeks where the last several weeks where, you know, there were a lot of games that meant something of import down the stretch, but there were a lot of teams playing for nothing here these last couple of weeks. And uh, in fact, we watch one of those teams here locally, regularly. And, and so you get all these teams, you get six full games starting on Saturday afternoon, 430. Saturday's a great day, 430 to 8.15. Those are great game times. Tremendous. Three games on Sunday, and if that's not enough, you get a Monday night game, first Monday night playoff game ever, Arizona at L.A. Uh, you know, there have been a lot of smart guys already weighing in on possible upsets, and, you know, we'll talk a little bit about who the darlings are in that, um, and that's in those scenarios. But there are a few things I want to get to before we get to the NFL playoffs. There will be a lot of NFL news and notes. We uh, want to talk a little bit about local the local scene a little bit, as Craig Heist just said, the Hoyas uh, <clears throat> and Butler playing tonight down at Cap One. Curious as to how many folks show up for that one. Hoyas six and six, and sort of a little bit of a lost season for them. Patrick Ewing not even on that bench tonight for the Hoyas uh, in uh, COVID protocol. Uh, mentioned the AU Holy Cross game, and the best two teams in the Patriot League collide tonight: Navy and Colgate in Annapolis. Caps won't play until this weekend, Saturday, 2 o'clock. Wiz in Portland, Saturday at 7. I want to talk a little bit, Donald, about, you know, because I have the mic and I've barricaded the door here, I want to talk a little bit about my night. And if I'm completely nonsensical and mumbling the rest of the show and uttering incoherent ramblings, then you can just deal with it, okay? You can take, you can take all the calls. <laughs> okay, I got you I, covered. I was with the Maryland Terps last night in Chicago, and um, first and foremost, gotta say, it was a nine o'clock tip. I hate selfishly hate nine o'clock tips. Obviously, that's eight o'clock in Chicago, but it's nine o'clock here, and ultimately, you fly back after the game. You have to deal with that time change. So, nine o'clock, double overtime, and by the time you take a bus back over to Midway to the airport jump on a plane to come home here. I'm walking in the house 4.30, quarter, 5 in the morning. Uh, I'm not as young as I once was. And that 4.30 or 5, 4.30, quarter, 5 in the morning hits me right between the eyes, like by the middle of the day. You know, you can get up. Uh, you know, we all have to deal with this stuff, right, where you, you're sort of sleep deprived and you kind of deal, you get yourself fired up, talk to yourself a little bit, get yourself motivated to to – to bring your A game for a couple hours, and then all of a sudden, at some point in time, it's like the wind goes out of the sails, right? Yeah, you feel that that crash moment oh, for my sure, God. yeah. Are you like a caffeine guy? Are you a coffee monster, Red Bull? I'm, I'm not. I'm not a huge caffeine, energy drink kind of guy. I'm not really. Okay. I'm not. Uh, so I just kind of hope and pray that I'm going to make it through the day, I guess. You just limp through it. You yeah, make, I just you make yourself through go it. through it. Exactly. I See, I'm not a coffee guy. Never. I, I've got enough vices. Coffee is not one that I ever really got never really cared for the flavor. But I do drink Monsters, and I'm not above when needed, you know, 
doing something for a little pop, a little energy, just because, again, not as long, as young as I once was. So back to this game. You get a double overtime game, starts at 9 o'clock Eastern, and you know, it takes you a while to get back over to the airport. You roll through. I've always kind of chuckled when a coach will stand up to his players. Now, fortunately, Maryland is on break right now because otherwise you have to go through listening to a coach stand up and address his team on the bus as you're getting to campus and, a bu- and the coach say, guys, remember, you got class in the morning. Because none of these guys are going to class in the morning. None. Especially after a win, by the way. I mean, and, and a good win at that. Um, let me get to the game here momentarily. But these the, the, the TV folks care nothing about, you know, about uh, the, 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 the time change. And, and they'll play n- late night, those 9 o'clock time frames, and put, like, Maryland against Nebraska. You know, where if you're traveling home from Nebraska, you, you know you're going to get into 5 o'clock in the morning. Those games should be played between Indiana and Purdue and, you know, Ohio State and, you know, Penn State or Ohio State and Maryland, for that matter. Ohio State barely an hour away by flight. It's, it's even a manageable drive if you're going to do that. So um, I, I don't know what goes into making schedules like that. But now, on to the game. The, the late Ken Beatrice, who used to own the airwaves here, Sports Talk Airwaves, Used to have this thing. It drove me crazy. He would always talk about the fact that a lot of games, a lot of athletic contests, more athletic contests are lost than they are won. And um, it's an interesting thought. I don't think it gives any credit to the team that won and put themselves and left themselves in position to get the win. But be that as it may, I sort of witnessed something along those lines last night. I, I you know, if you look at the game tracker on ESPN or any other, you know, platform that does that sort of thing, game cast, Maryland is up six points with the basketball and 17 seconds to play in the game. The game tracker, game cast, whatever you're watching, could probably tell you that Maryland has a 95% chance of winning that game at that point in time. Then all of a sudden, S happens. Lightning strikes. You know, keep in mind you were playing at another team's home court, and silly stuff happens sometimes. So turnover on the inbounds pass, still 17 seconds left. No time goes off the clock. Inbound, two Maryland players run into each other, wide open three for for Northwestern's best outside shooter. Bang. All of a sudden, that lead goes from six to three. I'm thinking, hmm, nah, we still got the ball. Got a bunch of good free throw shooters out there. So... Terps try to inbound on the ensuing play. Ball goes off a Maryland player and out of bounds. In an effort to go look at, set the clock right, and actually actually what they were doing was they were looking to see if the ball had gone off of a Maryland player or a Northwestern player. Officials come over and they are alerted by the Northwestern bench of a punch or a shot that was thrown by one of the Maryland players on that inbounds pass. Sure enough, what do they see? Flagrant foul on the inbounds pass, and clearly a flagrant foul. No excuse for it. It's terrible bonehead play. And so, so what happens is, is you get you get the Northwestern's best free throw shooter at the line. That was a three point game. Clock is stopped. He bangs two. All of a sudden, it's one. It's a one point game. Northwestern has the ball because they ruled it was off a Maryland player. 
inbounds pass, foul on Maryland. Dante Scott's fifth foul. He's out. He got two fouls in the last 12 seconds of the game. He is out, including that, that flagrant. He's out of the game. Northwestern's best scorer, Pete Nance, going to the free throw line. Now all of a sudden you've gone from a 99% chance of winning to praying for overtime all in the space of about 10 seconds. It happened that fast. So what happens is the gods sort of smiled a little bit on the Terps. Nance hits one. He ends up missing the second. Score remains tied. Terps squeeze off a three at the buzzer. They don't get it to go down, but still, you get to overtime. It was such an incredibly dramatic turn. Then all of a sudden, you get to overtime, and you look around at that Maryland bench, you're like, holy cow, we got a couple of guys who were fouled out. we got to use our bench. we got to sort of string it together during the course of this first overtime. So then, what? fortunately, Maryland had the two best players on the, two, on the court, their guards, Fats Russell, Eric Ayala. Fats scores 7 of 11 points in that first overtime including he, he also rimmed out a potential game winner at the end of that first overtime from about 50 feet. So a second overtime is forced, and Maryland ends up pulling away a little bit in the second overtime, largely on the force of three consecutive offensive rebounds uh, when they had a four-point lead, end up putting the game away in the last minute. But I mean, it's crazy nuts. And my, my point is, Donald, is that you know you're sitting there thinking that, hey, you got this thing in the bag here, and you have, again, 95%. You, are you pulling up that play? Are you pulling up? I was. I was, uh, as you were kind of narrating there, I was following along with your narration. It was, I mean, it was, it, it's so, it's surreal. You watch these games unfold, and, and I'm thinking to myself, and giving props to the, to the late, great Ken Beatrice, I never bought into that BS before about games being lost versus games being won. But this game was so on the verge of being lost. And afterwards, it felt like a game that had been won twice. You know? And yeah. I, I, you know, I, I said I, when I had a chance to interview Danny Manning in the locker room after the game, I said, did you feel like you won this game twice? And he said, you know, I mean, they were starved for win number one in the conference. He said, all I was looking for was win number one, man. I'm not, you know, I'm not here to analyze. Right. It's not what I do. Right. So it ended up being, you know, a happy trip back. But, you know, when you talk about the time change going west to east, um, long, long trip home. And I don't live by BWI, unfortunately. Uh, well, maybe fortunately. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is it's every bit of 45 minutes on home. So uh, here I am, rambling wreck that I am. And here till 9 o'clock, Tech Talk at 9. We've got a lot of things we want to get to. We want to talk about directional stretches of seasons. And we got one coming up with a local team. We're going to get to the NFL at 7 o'clock. Chris Knocky, Donald Hankerson. The name of the show is Overtime on 106.7 The Fan and Odyssey app. All right, it is Overtime. 106.7 The Fan and Odyssey app. Chris Knocky, Donald Hankerson with you till 9 o'clock tonight. By the way, nice walk-up music for me. Thank you, Donald. Appreciate that. You know, I, I, I'm getting more and more convinced about, you know, the fact that, you know, there's so many variables in sports and in, in, in terms of your team's success or lack thereof. And I swear to God, the more I think about it, the more I watch it, I just, the, the importance of schedules and sometimes schedules are what schedules you make. Most times, or a lot of times it's thrust upon you by the league or conference or however, you know, and 
I think sometimes there are directional stretches to your schedule, and you, you don't necessarily appreciate them when they're upon you, but they're there. And I think back to the WFT season um, where, and I remember vividly thinking um, when they w- entered a stretch, they're two and two, and they entered a stretch at home against New Orleans, at home against KC, uh, on the road against Green Bay, and on the road against Denver. Now, that's, that's not an easy stretch for sure. Those are good good football teams. But I remember thinking after losing to Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints that, boy, they're going to rue this day. This loss is brutal. This is not one you're going to come back from because of the quarterbacks you have directly ahead of you. Sure enough, they end up losing to KC, losing to Green Bay. And again, they have a winnable game in Denver, a game that neither team really wanted to win. That was a 17-10 to 10 snooze fest in Denver. An easily winnable game. If you go 2-2 two and two in that stretch as opposed to wearing the collar in that stretch, then you're not 2-6. and six. You know, it's a completely different animal as you, as you approach the rest of your season. And then what you do, what, reeling off those four wins, and that's not to say you would have won four in a row had you gone 2-2, two and two, but... The season looks a lot different. That's a directional stretch that I'm talking about right there. And in that at that point in time, the WFT just did not get it done. Now, you look at where the Washington Wizards are right now. Again, middling. Uh, but middling, I take middling considering where this franchise has been. Middling, much like the 2-2 two and two WFT were, the, the Wiz right now sitting at 22-20. and 20, And that's largely on the fact on the based on the fact that the schedule gave them two games with Orlando and one game with OKC over the last three so they swept all three of those good for them they won the games they had to win so now coming up what they have here is a remarkable stretch and I don't know to 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 bless or curse the gods for this because ultimately you have to pay for this but Wizards play at, at this is their, again, they've played 42 games, right? Pretty much halfway through the season. They play 10 of their next 13 games here in town. Starting with Portland on Saturday, it goes Portland, Philly, Brooklyn, Toronto, Boston, Clippers. Now, you're not playing OKC and Miami, and, uh, excuse me, and uh, Orlando. I get that, completely get that. But you got 10 of your 13 here. And if you expect to be good and you expect to be viable and you expect to be in the playoffs, you have to take at least take care of some, you know, you have to take care of business at home without question. That's not to say of those 10 games at home, I expect them to go nine and one, but you got to be seven and three. You got to go seven and three. And, and also, one of the things that puts this in play, and I look at this from a gambling perspective, I don't gamble, but I know enough about it. I don't remember, Donald, what the number was, but I'm guessing the preseason over-under on wins for the Wiz might have been mid-30s. So if you've got 22 wins right now and you go, you know, you put yourself above 500 in these next 13 games, say you go 8-5, and then all of a sudden you're sitting at 30 and 27. You got that number? I do, 33 and a half. 33 and a half. Okay, so pretty much on it. So all of a sudden... You could be sitting, and for anybody who wagered on the Wiz to be over that number, good on you. Good on you. But to be sitting at 30 wins at game 55 would be phenomenal for this. 
It also underscores, completely underscores the fleecing of the LA Lakers for for Westbrook, Russell Westbrook. And I'm 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 forever grateful to Russ in the second half of the season he put together last year. It made the team fun, it made the team interesting, made him a little schizophrenic, but I mean he got it done for these guys and for the town. But man, you look at what they got in return. Kyle Kuzma, he's a, he's an all-star right now. I mean 16 and 9. Had left on a lot. I don't know if you saw this the other night. He was one assist away from his first triple-double. He threw the ball to Corey Kispert in the corner. Corey didn't pull the trigger on it. Yep, I did see that. Kuz <laughs> was going to kill I, him. I, I know he had to be mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, But he's getting basically 16-9. and nine. He is a double-double machine, as is Montrez Harrell. You know, 14.5, 7.5 rebounds for Harrell, plus he's just the animal. He's that force of nature. That every team needs, even if he's, I don't know what he is, six eight maybe, maybe, with lifts. KCP is not just averaging 11.6 and 3.7. He's the best defender in the backcourt that this team has. He competes every play, every game. You know, the other thing about this, man, best news of all for these three guys, as they say, as they like to say in the NBA, your best ability is your availability, Right? Kyle Kuzma's played 40 of the 42 games. Montrez Harrell, and all these guys have had issues with protocol, right? And they've had to sit out from time to time. Montrez Harrell had his own. He's played 35 out of 42. Not bad. KCP, he had issues with protocol as well. But he's played 39 out of 42 games. So you talk about checking every box in that trade. Uh, You know, it just makes this team interesting. They're fun to watch as it is. And this will be a really telling you know, three-week stretch for this team in the dog days of the NBA season. I know a lot of people don't really buy into the NBA in January. I do. You're missing out because this is when you separate the wheat wheat from the shaft. Pretenders from contenders, and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with these guys. Interesting story, though. I hope they're appreciated as much as they are. Nice little turnaround for these guys. All right, when we come back, we're going to get to some NFL news and notes and look ahead to what uh, the NFL has this weekend. Again, maybe the best weekend of the NFL season. Overtime is a show on 106.7 The Fan and Odyssey app. Chris Naki, Donald Hankerson with you till 9.